are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Well, we're really thankful today that Joe and Amy Hall are joining us, and they're going to be sharing with you in a moment. They, they actually serve as coordinators of missionary care for the global church. And when I say global, I mean 165 world areas, Church of the Nazarene. Um, Joe and Amy have two kids. Sam is their son. Ella is their daughter. Um, you, you, you may be saying, I think I recognize these people. It's because they're very much a part of our church. On the Sundays, they're not traveling through the U.S. or around the world. They're here. And usually when they're here, they're volunteering. You see Joe and Amy both singing in praise team and wherever that they can serve. Prior to doing the job they're doing now, they were missionaries in what we call a creative access country. We can't tell you the name of the country because we don't want the people there to be in danger. But they have been serving God as missionaries for a while. You may say, what, is, what does it mean to be a coordinator of missionary care? Think of it this way. All around the world, we have missionaries in the Church of the Nazarene. They're kind of like the pastors to the missionaries. They walk with them through tough times, when they're transitioning into a new country, if they're struggling, Joe and Amy are there for them. If people are retiring and trying to adjust back to our culture, they're there for them. They host a number of retreats for missionaries all over the world. And so sometimes it's a Zoom call. Sometimes it's setting up a counseling service for that missionary. And sometimes it's hopping on a plane and flying halfway around the world to set with that missionary and to walk through them with them through a difficult season of their lives. They are encouraging frontline missionaries in the Church of the Nazarene. I learned recently that they raised a significant amount of their salary. I began to believe the Lord was saying to me, Rick, you could help with that. Bethany First Church could help with that. And so here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you and I to lift this burden of salary off Joe and Amy, okay? So I want us to receive a great offering for them this morning. They're offering envelopes right under your armrest. Would you put an offering there this morning or go online and give an offering to them? And then as you're leaving, you can drop that in the connect box as you go out. My wife Annette and I, we have prepared an offering that we're giving today. We wanna say to them, we wanna lift this burden off you. We wanna bless you. And I think that BFC can come through in a major way. They give so much here, it's good for us to give back to them. And then also there's a card that you can tear off. If you tear this in half, we're gonna ask you to drop this in the connect box when you leave today too. Be thinking with me about how you might pray, how you might give, and how you might go. So I'm so thankful for all of our missionaries. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to welcome Joe and Amy as they come to share. But as they come and you welcome them, will you celebrate all of our missionaries with me? So let's welcome Joe and Amy and celebrate all of our missionaries at BFC this morning. Thanks, Pastor. Good morning. It's just as scary as I thought it would be up here. So smile at me if you feel like it. Um, it's awesome to be in our home church. We get to travel to different little churches and speak, um, but it's so good to be home with you today. Um, thank you, Pastor, for allowing us to share and for sharing your pulpit. We don't take it lightly to be standing up here. 
We are so excited that Pastor has been preaching about call, that he's had a whole series on call, because call is important to Joe and I, and it's, it's shaped our lives. I was 17 when I felt my call. I grew up in Waterloo Church of the Nazarene, just north of here, out in North Edmond. And I, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit for some of you teenagers or kids that might understand. Uh, we were headed to church on a Sunday night. Back then, they had church on Sunday nights, and us good Nazarenes went to Sunday morning and the Sunday night. And my parents told me I had to, so we went. And on this particular Sunday night, there was going to be a missionary speaker. And I had, had been around long enough to know that sometimes missionary speakers talk a long time. And sometimes they show hundreds of pictures. And sometimes they shared many, many stories. And so I had a little bit of a bad attitude about going because I figured it would be long. And in typical teenager fashion, I figured it would be boring. And so I went with this horrible attitude. And God, in his amazing goodness, met with me that night in the middle of that service that was very long and that did have lots of pictures and that did have lots of stories, but it wasn't boring because the Lord met with me and I experienced him in a way I can't even describe. But he said to me, Amy, you were made for this. And I thought a lot of different things. At first I thought, is he talking to this guy? Like, how could, how could the Lord say this to me with my bad attitude? And I was an extremely shy and timid person and awkward and everything. And I thought, how in the world could the Lord ever use me as a missionary? But I kept that in my heart and I kept that in my mind as I began to make decisions about my future, as I began to decide what university should I go to and what should I study and Who should I marry? And the Lord brought this wonderful man in my life over at SNU. And so fast forward a few years, and I, again, have to tell on myself, had that call at 17, but we didn't go to be global missionaries until I was 40. So that's quite a few years in there for you mathematicians. Um, Some of that time was legitimate um, schooling and Uh, just practical work experience, ministry, paying off bills, having a family. And some of that was straight up wrestling with the Lord about this call and fear about stepping into this call and wondering what that would mean for us. And we'd have to leave a very comfortable life near all of our family to go somewhere unknown. But in the Lord's tender way, he's been so gracious and so kind to us, and he's met us in every detail, the highs and the lows. And even when I deeply questioned to him, do we have to go to Southeast Asia? That's so far away. Lord, are you sure my kids will be okay there? Can I trust you with them there? Even when we had to come back early and had complications with COVID and there was just a lot of the story that was confusing, the Lord reassured us that he was with us and he poured into us and I never regret a day of stepping into this call and following him. So we're missionaries now, we have lots of stories, we have lots of pictures. If you wanna hear more from us, we'd love to come to any Sunday school class or small group, but we don't have time to share all of that today. The other quick thing I wanna say is thank you for being a sending church, a giving church. Because of you and the many, many years of 
prayer warriors in this congregation. We have 400 missionaries in 164 world areas, 300 or or more missionary kids. We have 31,000 Nazarene congregations all over the world, 2.7 million Nazarene brothers and sisters. And we got to experience an amazing district 9,000 miles away from here. And they knew without a doubt that without you sending and caring and praying and giving, they probably wouldn't have a Nazarene church there. And so they wanted to write a note to you of thanks. Dear Bethany Nazarene Church, we do not know how to say thanks to all of your sacrifices, generosity, prayers, and fighting for us here in Southeast Asia. Through Joe and Amy and with their kids, we can feel, taste, touch, and smell how beautiful the Church of Jesus Christ is. You're the two people like angels God sent to us. Thank you for being part of it. We pray for you, Church, in peace, provision, abundance in both spiritual and physical realms. We love you, and we're grateful for you as your brothers and sisters in Christ. Thanks, Amy. What a privilege it is to be standing before you this morning. So very humbling. Normally I'm up here singing a song and I'm much more comfortable doing that than I am speaking. And so I covet your prayers this morning as I open God's word. I'd invite you to stand with me as we read God's word here on the screen. Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 and 10. It says this. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. This is the word of God for the people of God this morning. And the people of God said, good job. You may be seated. Every church does that different. I'm learning this. You did great. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would have your way in this service, the remainder of this service. We've, we've felt your presence here among us through your spirit. Would you speak? May we leave here transformed more into your image. May you speak to those hearts, Lord, that have been wrestling. Maybe for many years, or maybe it's been recent, but they sense you calling them to a life of service. We trust you, Jesus, and we give you praise. Amen. Back in 1989, before many of you in this room were born, an author named Stephen Covey wrote a book entitled The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And it was a very significant and powerful little book, and it had a lot to say. It was named the number one most influential business book of the 20th century. Lots of stuff said in that book, but one thing stands out as I was thinking about preparing for this time. Stephen Covey said this, to begin with the end in mind means to start with a clear understanding of your destination. It means to know where you are going so that you better understand where you are now, and so that the steps you take are always in the right direction. We, in, we began our time this morning on the stage reading 
a picture of the end. Intentionally. Because this is what guides and shapes everything. This is what should guide and shape everything. This is a picture of ultimate reality. We got a little bit of a taste of it even this morning as we were, as we were worshiping, watching these flags go through and seeing all these nations worshiping, imagining what that will be like, rehearsing for what ultimately we will experience for eternity. What a blessing. Well, I want to unpack the verse just a little bit that we read, Revelation 7, 9, and 10. And I I want us to look uh, at this slide here, and I want us to look at this word nation that we saw in verse 9. I don't know, if, if you're like me, when you see nation, you probably think of flags or borders, uh, defined lines. But when John uses that word in Revelation, he's not talking about nations in the way that we often think about nations. He's actually talking about people groups. Groups that have a shared language, a shared identity, and it's not necessarily that they're bound by borders, they're people groups. And I want to introduce you to a couple of people groups that Amy and I have had a privilege to meet when we served in Southeast Asia. This is the Cham people group, a beautiful people group with all kinds of beautiful culture. It's so unique. I hope someday, if you ever get a chance to go to Southeast Asia, you will likely run into somebody from the Cham people group. Next slide. The Hmong people group, also in the country we served in. Isn't she precious? You can see the light of Jesus in her eyes, though I don't believe she knows Jesus, but Jesus knows her. Now, there's another thing, another group I want to show you in just a minute, but before I do, I want you to think with me about this word group. When, When you think of the word group, you might have a tendency, like me, to think of like a small number. When we say group, like small group, we say that a lot in church. A a big group might be a hundred people or a thousand people. Well, this next slide shows us the Shua people group. They're located in the country of Chad in Africa. Over three million people in this one people group. So when we say group, we mean lots and lots of people. So I want us to to ask the question too, where else do we see this word nation in scripture? Well, there are a lot of places, but I want to highlight a very familiar passage for you. Matthew 28, 16 through 20 says this, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There it is again, nations, in verse 19. Matthew, Jesus in Matthew's gospel is saying to us, go, to the nations, to the people groups, to to people who have a different identity, a different language, a different culture, go to them. Cross cultures. So we need to begin with the end in mind. Second point, everything in your life, in my life, should be about God's glory. It's that simple. We make life pretty complex 
I do all the time. And I'm reminded constantly, this, this sermon is grace for me because it centers me again. Every single thing about my life and your life, everything is supposed to be about God's glory. It's very simple. Is everything in your life right now about God's glory? My guess is, if you're honest, the Holy Spirit is probably bringing some things to mind for you. Welcome to the family. Confess that. Confess that difference and continue to ask the Holy Spirit to transform you today. I, uh, I, I loved being able to see the flags this morning come through because really every single time we do that, when it's in general assembly, that's usually when we see it. Those of you that had a chance to, to go and attend that, you see that and it's this just incredible global representation of the Church of the Nazarene all over the world. And you got to see that in your local church. I don't know if you realize how rare that is. What a blessing to see. It's a rehearsal of what we're going to do for eternity with all the people around the, front, the throne of God. That is where we're headed. That's where everything is moving toward. But we live in this world, right, where we see a totally different example of giving glory to God. In fact, we see a world that's focused on glorifying self, making it about me, having followers. I, I find that an interesting phrase. How many followers do you have? Having influence. Is it about us? I don't think so. When we read Revelation, we read about one throne and one person on that throne, and that was God. It's not about our thrones or our kingdoms, but we are prone to build our own thrones. I did not even mean to rhyme, but I did. That worked great. Now, but we do, and we'll do it before we even realize it. We start to make it about us and our story and our influence when it's always been about him. So I want to ask you that as just a measure this morning. How are you doing in that area of your life? So if this is the picture, this throne, that everything is moving toward, if that's the direction, then why would we live for any other purpose? The reality is that everything God has given us, everything should be used for his glory. Young people in the service today, I want to talk to you guys. Every single thing that God has given you, is for him, everything. As you explore the gifts he's given you, as you grow up and you realize God made you this, this unique and special way, every talent you have is for him. He wants you to use it for his kingdom. Same for you students over here. The same thing as you're making decisions about what steps to take next, where to go to college, how to use your talents and your gifts. How can it be used for him? It's not about you and me, but he won't force you. He's gentle, he's kind, he's loving, but he says, please use it for me because that's where this whole thing is headed. I ask you adults in the room today, you old people, I'm one of you. How are you using what God has given you? Are you using your gifts, your talents for him? Or have you compartmentalized your faith in such a way that it limits God from doing all that he would like to do through you?
I'd like us to look at the screen right now. Let's go to that next slide. I want to show you these people groups around the world. These are, all these dots represent people groups. The green dots and the yellow dots means that that particular group is reached or semi-reached. It's the red dots that I want us to focus on for just a few moments. The red dots, 7,248 as of January. This morning I looked and it's down to 7,246. 7,246 unreached people groups in the world today. If we tallied up the population of all of those unreached people groups, we'd have over 3 billion people this day that do not know who Jesus is. Let that sink in for a minute. That is over a third of the population of our world right now. Many of whom have never even heard the name of Jesus. I know that's hard for us to comprehend. We, we can't fathom a world where we haven't heard Jesus' name. But I'm here to tell you this morning, that world exists. And we are called to do something about it. Well, what does it mean to be an unreached people group? Here's one definition. Less than or equal to 5% professing Christian and less than or equal to 2% evangelical. This is from a group called the Joshua Project. Highly recommend you explore that link, that name. Uh, just Google that name, the Joshua Project. You can find more information than you'll know what to do with. Here's, it continues this definition. This helps us understand a bit further. What does it mean to be unreached? Unreached people are not more lost than your neighbor or family member who does not know Christ, but they are unreached in the sense that they do not have an opportunity to hear the gospel. The issue is not their lostness, but their access to the gospel. People can be unevangelized without being unreached. There are people in the U.S. that have not heard the gospel, but they could if they wanted to. Most people living in the 1040 window, and we'll unpack that in a moment, couldn't find out about Jesus even if they wanted to. Just imagine yourself as one of these people. There is no church you can attend on Sunday morning to hear the gospel. There are no bookstores where you can go to purchase a Bible. There are no Christians that you can go to and ask about their hope in Christ. In fact, you will live and die and never meet a Christian. There is no mission effort focused on reaching you. You are living in a sea of people as one among millions. You are utterly unengaged with the gospel. You have no access. So here's this 1040 window. This rectangle, I used to call it a square. Amy corrects me every time I mess up. Between the 10th and the 40th latitude line in the eastern hemisphere of our globe, this is where 95% of the world's unreached people groups are today. 95%. And it's also where 90% of the world's poorest of the poor live. It's a really, really challenging area to bring the gospel into. There's a reason that it's difficult. To give you some context about financial giving and how this all works, when we factor in and tally up all of the Christian giving around the world, 
all around the world, we tally it up, about $1 of every $100,000 goes into that rectangle. Why? Because it's really hard and our return on investment doesn't always pan out the way that we like. And that's why, in large part, we have so much work to do. We have to lean into this. We have to start figuring out how to be creative. And that's why, one of the reasons why I'm here this morning, because when I was 14, God began to call me into ministry. I was on a summer mission trip, just like many of you are going to go on this summer. God began to work in my heart on a trip to Denver, Colorado, at a place called Hope for the Rockies. And it's turned into a missionary call. I pray that those of you who have been sensing God's call in your life, I'm, I'm look, catching your eyes, say yes. Say yes. You will never, ever regret it. It doesn't mean it will be easy. But I will tell you, there is nothing like living directly in the center of God's will for you. He is faithful and he will provide. We have watched that every step of the way. And this church and many other churches just like this one are all a part of sending. And I want to echo what Amy said earlier. Thank you. Thank you so very much. So we see this, this 1040 window. I talked to you about the money. Here's one other, one other thing to think about. The U.S. spends more money, this is mind-boggling to me, more money on golf balls and Twinkies. And I like Twinkies, okay? I'm not against Twinkies, but this is amazing to me. More money on golf balls and Twinkies than the whole Christian world spends on that, in that 1040 window. That's overwhelming to me. We have so much work to do. Well, I want to invite you just to come and, and we're going to sort of peel the, the veil back a little bit. In the last three years since COVID, we've lost about 250 missionaries for lots of different reasons. Missionaries coming back to the States. We're actually one of those people. We continue to serve as missionaries in a different role, but we had to come back because we couldn't stay in the country that we were serving in due to COVID and all the complexity around that. But many of our missionaries have had to come back to take care of aging parents. They've got children with special needs and they, they needed certain resources they couldn't get where they were serving. And so they had to return back to get those needs met. We need people to answer God's call. That might be you. Of all of the things that God has laid on my heart this week, of all of the things that I felt like God wanted me to say, here's the top one. There is a place for you. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be Harmon Schmelzenball, though that's a great place to start. <laughs> We just need you to be you and to see how God might use your gifts, your talents for his kingdom and to trust him with those results. 
If you're a doctor, if you're a teacher, if you're an IT person, whatever it is, God can use it. There's space for you on the mission field. Well, you know this, but just as a quick reminder, God is bringing those unreached people groups to your doorstep. In a way now, we don't even have to travel to reach unreached people groups. They're coming to us. I love the story of the ministry of working with the Afghani people who are here. What a fantastic opportunity right before you. If you have a missions call or you're trying to figure out something about that, that would be a fantastic place to go. Get connected with Barbie and others who are involved. Begin to sense and discern what is God saying to you when you're in that context. Well, I want to come back to Harmon and Lula for just a minute. What would have happened had Harmon and Lula Schmelzenbaugh not said yes to the Lord? To go. Can you imagine how different this local church and your interaction would be today? I realized there were other people besides them, but they were a significant part. Two people who didn't have all the answers. They didn't have all the skills. They were just obedient and said yes. And that country that they arrived to more than likely was unreached when they arrived. Today, it is a Christian nation, glorifies God. It has all kinds of challenges, yes. But it's completely transformed because a few people said, yes, who's the next Harmon and Lula? Who's the next Harlan and Barbie? I think you're here. And today's a day where you can begin to say yes. You don't even have to have all the answers. Maybe you just want to explore and have a conversation. You're going to have an opportunity to connect with missionaries to begin to build relationship potentially with people and and start asking some questions. God is faithful. I'd like to uh, end my time with you this morning by ripping off an illustration from another pastor that I've seen. It's really powerful. And so I'll just give him full credit. It's not mine. But I want you to see this rope. And imagine this rope going all the way out through all of these seats, through every row, around the church, through every hall, outside, around the city of Bethany, and on and on, around the world. You see where I'm going here. It never stops. This rope represents eternity. It goes on forever. Our lives, represented by this little blue piece of tape, a tiny fraction of this rope. It strikes me that most of us, many of us, maybe all of us, (laughs) we tend to make our decisions based on this little blue piece of tape. When we have the whole rope to think about, remember the rest of the rope. Is God calling you? He's faithful. He will do it. You can trust him today. Pastor Rick, come on up.
So I have three things. Number one, would you help um, in the offering for the halls and drop it in the connect box on your way out? Just mark your envelope, pause. Number two, would you take the brochure that you received when you came in and tear it in half? And would you leave this half in a connect box as you leave? Would you think about your commitment to helping us with missions, whether you say, I can pray, I will give, and this is what I'll give, or I really want to go, and then drop it in the connect box when you leave. Here's the third thing. We've been talking about the fact that God makes his will known. He speaks to us. I got a feeling that in this last hour we've been together, God's been talking to some of us. Over these last several weeks, God's been talking to some of us. Some of you might say, God's been asking me to leave something behind. God's been asking me to serve somewhere. God's been asking me to share my faith with somebody. To create a new friendship with someone that he's brought into my life. It could be that God is talking to you about your future and where he wants you to give your life. He may be calling someone to be a pastor, to be a missionary. It amazes me when I meet missionaries today, very few of them are pastors. There are people with all kinds of training from doctors to lawyers to tech people to you name it. And so this morning, I thought it would be good if we just said, let's provide an opportunity to pray together. Joe and Amy came with this desire, and I said, we can do that. So I'm going to ask those of you who are going to help to come and step in place right now. And so you'll see that there will be people all across the front of the building, and then there'll be people back at the break. So those of you in the back, you don't have to walk so far down to get to someone to pray with you. But these are people who have said yes to God's call on their lives. And they would love to pray with you. So you may be saying, you know, I'm only 10 years older. I'm 11 years older. I'm 12 years old. And I'm wondering what God wants me to do. You may be a teenager saying, I'm wondering what God's trying to say to me. You may be a college student. You may be a mom or dad. You might be as old as I am. And kind of saying, Rick, I'm kind of hearing God speak and I'm just I think God's maybe talking to me and I want someone to pray over me about my future and about what God wants me to do. Now, I realize it's Sunday morning and you walked in church today and you may be carrying a heavy load and you might say, I just need somebody to pray with me because I'm sick or pray with me because somebody I love is not in a good place. You, you can come and ask for prayer too. But in a moment, we're gonna sing and as we do, I just encourage you to go to one of these couples or individuals and say, would you pray for me? This is what's going on in my heart and my mind. And I would love for you just to pray for me. And they would love to do that. That's why they're standing here. They're here this morning, hoping you will come and let them pray over you. So let's worship together and let's pray together.
God, you can trust today with the decisions that you make about your life. He's the God that you can follow, you can put all of your heart into. He's the God that loves you, cares for you, wants what's best for you. And so today, as you're thinking about leaving this place and all that we have to do throughout this week, my prayer for all of you is that we would keep our eyes focused and tight on the one who calls us. His calling is strong upon our lives. It's accurate. It's amazing to be a part of. We want to be a part of his will and his alone. We thank you for being here today. God bless you all.
as you leave this place. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.